And this might be the most people here on a Wednesday night since 2019. So it's exciting, up leading up to, well, I say 2019, what, March of 2020, COVID and all that um, craziness that we've overcome. Amen. Thank God for that. So um, praise God. Colossians <clears throat> chapter 1 and verse 27. As you turn there, let me remind you that Father is glorified by much fruit, and fruit is outward evidence of an inward reality. Amen. And um, <clears throat> so, praise God. Let me just stay focused on what I've got here uh, for us tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Colossians 1 and 27, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We've said that glory was our origin and glory is our destiny. And while the Bible has a lot to say about that, there's still a lot of confusion in a lot of places about what that means and what it looks like and what it's all about. Um, I put this in my notes. I said it'd be different if this was the only mention of glory where we are concerned, but it is not. And so some of these verses, I think most of these verses we've already turned to and looked at in um, the past during our study, but don't try to keep up with me. I'm going to put every one of them on the screen, but I just want to kind of show them. I don't want to kind of, I'm going to definitely show them to you back to back to back to back to back. And, and the reason that's important is because sometimes, you know, we, we read about something over here, then, you know, maybe three days, three months, three years later, we <laughs> read something over here and, and maybe we miss the bigger picture of, uh, of these things. And so um, let's just go through these real quick like, and then we're going to build on some of the things we started last week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses, um, uh, well, i got 7 through 10 here. Let's just do 7 and 8. It says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So God has hidden wisdom ordained before the ages for our glory. So notice glory was in the works for you and me before the world began. Now Paul said he speaks this wisdom hidden for our glory in a mystery. Hidden for our glory in a mystery. And so I want to give you a definition. This is from uh, the Complete Word Study Dictionary. Mystery is defined as some sacred thing, hidden or secret, which is naturally unknown to human reason and is only known by the revelation of God. This is something you can't grasp with the intellect alone. It's a subject that the Holy Spirit has to reveal to you. Amen. And I really believe and know in my heart that that's what He is wanting to do for you and me tonight. Let me keep reading. Psalm 8, look at this, verses 5 and 6. For you have made Him, speaking of man, a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned Him with glory and honor, and have made Him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under His feet. The question that he's answering here is, What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you would come and visit him? 
Romans 3 and 23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3 and 23 really just cuts to the chase. You know, we could make a long list of things that we've fallen short of, but ultimately when Father God wanted to just to sum it up in no uncertain terms, He said that sin has caused us to fall short of the glory of God. We talked a little bit about sin last week, and we said sin was missing the full scope and true end of one's life. And sin caused us to fall short of the true scope and true end of our lives, full scope and true end of our lives, which is, according to Romans 3.23, Romans 3 and 23 is the glory of God. He has more to say about this in Romans. Let's look at it in Romans 8.29 and 30. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So we see that the blood of Jesus has made us right with God, has made us right before God in the eyes of God. But that's not the end of all be all. We see that we've been justified so that we could then be what? Glorified. Glorified. Now, I want to stop here for a moment because I think you're seeing an undeniable pattern in Scripture, but the question that we need to answer, desperately need to answer, and, and, and get it straight, not, not from religion, not from, uh, you know, denominational philosophies or whatever. We, we need to get it from God. And, and the question is this, what does it mean to be glorified by God? It's undeniable right here in Scripture that God wants to glorify you. So the question then is, okay, if, if this is what God purposed for us, if this is what God has planned for us, if, the, if this is what God desires for us and from us, then what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be glorified by God? And so here is the point that we were striving to make last Wednesday. What does it mean to be glorified by God? Jesus on the earth as a man is our example and answer to this question. He is the answer to this question. What does it mean to be glorified by God? Jesus on the earth as a man is our example and answer to this question. Now, John chapter 2, verse 11. This beginning of signs, miracles, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory. And His disciples believed in Him. So Jesus just tur- turned um, the water into wine. And the Bible says that this miracle was not magic. It was a manifestation of the glory of God that was in Jesus. This is really, really, really important. A manifestation means an inward reality became an outward expression. It means the glory that His Father had given to Him that was inside of Him now was showing up and producing results in the the life reality for other people to see. That word manifest literally means 
to open a can. It means to take a lid off of something that had previously been concealed, that that had previously been uh, locked away and, and invisible and unknown and unrealized. But on this particular day in Cana of Galilee, when Jesus performed the first miracle on earth as a man, we see that the glory that was in him came forth from him and it produced this amazing result, this miraculous result. But also, remember, it's a sign, meaning what? It's, it's something visible, something physical, something measurable, something verifiable that's pointing to a deeper, hidden reality. Now, we've made this point a time or two, but I want to, I want to make sure that, that we understand this, okay? Jesus became a man and dwelt among us. And in the process of him doing that, the Bible says that he emptied himself of everything that made him God. Jesus, on this earth as a man, was not all-powerful. This makes a lot of people nervous, but again, we've got to understand this. Jesus, on this earth as a man, was not all-knowing, and Jesus on this earth as a man, was not everywhere present. Omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. Okay, Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omniscient means all-knowing. Omnipresent means everywhere present. Okay, Those are attributes that he possessed as the eternal, uncreated Son of God, sitting on the throne of God for all of eternity. Uncreated, always has been, always will be. But the Bible says that he emptied himself of that and took upon himself the form of a servant. He came to this earth as a man. This is why Jesus said and said accurately and truly, I cannot do anything apart from my Father. I can't do anything without him. This is why he said, it is the Father who is in me who does the works. There was something in Jesus as a man that enabled him to do the works that we see and read about him doing in the scriptures. And the reason this is significant, according to Jesus, is because in John chapter 14, he said, do you believe on me because you've seen me do miracles, or do you believe because the Father is in me and I am in the Father and it is the Father in me who does the works? Because why? Because he said, if you understand the model that it's not me doing this, but it's the Father in me doing these works through me, then I will be in you and the works that I've done, you've seen me do, I will do through you and the works that I do, you will do also and even greater works. So the glory that Jesus possessed as the eternal uncreated Son of God, he emptied himself of that came to this earth and picked up the crown of glory that was originally placed on Adam's head that we all fell short of because of the glory of God, because of of sin causing us to fall short of the glory of God. So look at what he says in John 17, verse 20 and 23. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about you and me that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, I'm in them, you're in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the perfect there means mature or complete, 
and that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. The glory that Jesus operated with here on the earth, he did not take that back to heaven with him. His Father gave it to him, and then he gave it to you and me. And the glory that was in him that produced every miracle, every sign, every wonder while he was here on this earth is in you and me, and it is not any it is it is no less potent or powerful now than it was then. The glory of God doesn't get stale, it doesn't get old. It's not like it's not like a set of batteries that, that loses its uh, charge over time. Let me give you one more. Hebrews 2, 10 and 11. For it was fitting for him, speaking of Jesus, of whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to salvation. Is that what it says? In bringing many sons to reconciliation, in bringing many sons to justification. No, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So when we look at these verses in light of, back to where we started, Colossians 1 and 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As we've said already, God's glory is, was your origin and is your destiny. His glory upon us was our origin and His glory in us is our destiny. But we're back to this question. What does all this really mean? It's obviously very important to God. It's obviously something He paid the highest price to restore back into our lives. We were created for glory. We sinned and fell short of the glory. And God didn't just say, well, you know, give up on that. No. He then paid the ultimate price so that we could be repositioned in Christ and have His glory in us once again. So what does all this really mean? What does it mean, as we've already said, to be glorified by God? What does it mean to be given the glory Jesus had while on this earth as a man? What does it look like um, you know, in, in life uh, to, to manifest or realize the glory that we've been given? Again, Jesus is our example. Brother uh, Don Ballard and I were talking about this, I guess, last Thursday. And he said something that, you know, it's like most things that are so profound is that they're so simple. He said, um, you have to look at the picture on the box. You have to look at the picture on the box. I don't know how we got started doing this, but at youth camp, we work a puzzle. Now, some of the young people, they, they probably thought like that, you know, Pam and I work puzzles like all the time. No. At youth camp, we work a puzzle. And I'm one of those guys that I like have to hold, I'm like a box hog, you know what I'm saying? I have to like have the box in my hand to understand 
how this piece fits in this overall picture that's developing in front of me. One of the reasons why the body of Christ is lagging so far behind in what the scriptures teach us about the glory of God is that we've been trying to put these pieces together looking at the wrong picture. We, we, we've, been, we, we've been looking at glory as heaven. You see, we, we, the, 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 you know, we hear the hope of glory and so many of the body of Christ hear the hope of heaven. And so we're trying to figure all this out by looking at a picture of what we think heaven looks like and, and see where all these pieces to the puzzle fit. And it's, it's not the right picture. If you, if you want, by the way, who, who is the picture of God's glory? Who's on the box? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. When we were younger, now Matt was a little more into this and more sophisticated with it than I was, but um, I'm, I'm, you know, don't question my manhood, but I did the snap together model cars. He did the real nice fancy glue together right but see we would look at the picture on the box and that would tell us what's in the box and where all those different pieces fit together and what what they're supposed to produce or look like when they're all assembled and and are you are you understand what i'm saying i just anyway thank you for that brother donald it seems to mean more to me than it does to everybody else in the room tonight but the picture on the box told you that the devil f- fears the fulfillment of this verse in our lives and the only thing he fears more is the day he'll be thrown into the lake of fire. And the potential fulfillment of these verses in our lives is why the devil regrets killing Jesus. Now, I'm not leaving out the Christ in us part, but the hope of glory, the hope of glory. Over the years... And I, want, I hope you understand why, first of all, I feel like I'm led of the Spirit to, to do this, but over the years, I've, I've asked you uh, with, some, with some certain key words to think of one word first, you know, when, when you hear, um, most recently, we've, we've talked about philo, and it means love, but it's warm, fond, affectionate feelings. So when you hear philo, think feelings. It's more than feelings, but again, feelings, feelings, feelings. Because we're, we're trying to re- recondition our minds to, to put these things in the proper perspective. And then agape, also translated love in the English Bible, we said when you hear that, think of respect. It's more than respect. It means more than that. But if we will condition ourselves you know, um, to think respect, duty, responsibility, these kinds of things. Okay? Before that, we said death. Anybody remember the one word I want you to remember more than any other when you hear the word death? Separation. Death, separation. To, to, be, to spiritual death is for your spirit to be separated from God. Physical death is when your spirit and soul separate from your physical body. That's what um, family called him man. His name was Jimmy, Uncle Jimmy. When he passed, his spirit and soul separated from his physical body. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. 
So when you hear death, I want you to think separation. When you hear philo, I want you to think feelings. When you hear um, agape, I want you to think respect. When you hear wisdom, I want you to think results. Wisdom is more than results. But again, wisdom is the ability to take what you know and apply it in a way to get results that you haven't been able to get in the past. I want you to think of results. Now, the one word I want you to think, because again, we're trying to get our, our minds renewed and reconditioned. When you hear this word hope, I want you to think expectation. Bible hope is a confident expectation of some future good, some future benefit, okay? And so there's a confidence to it. There's an expectation to it. Obviously, we're talking about hoping for something good, okay? And as we said last week, for hope to be more than wishful thinking is it has to have a basis. It has to be based upon something. In the same way, faith has to be based upon something, the Word of God. Hope has to be based upon something for it to be a valid hope. Okay? So let's run through the list again. Wisdom, results. Death, separation. Philo, feelings. Agape, respect. Hope, expectation. Expectation. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, would be Christ in you, the expectation of glory. Expectation of glory. If Christ is not in you, you have no expectation of glory. If He's not in you, the Bible says all that you have is a fearful looking ahead to judgment. But if He's in you, without Him I can do nothing, but I'm not without Him. Okay, that ship sailed the day I got born again. I'm, 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 I'm in Him and He's in me. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the expectation of glory. Now, watch this. We're going somewhere. Stay with me. From the Amplified, which is Christ within you, which, which is Christ within and among you, the hope of realizing the glory. I like that. Or we could say it this way, the expectation of realizing the glory. What happened at the wedding feast in Cana in John chapter 2? When the water turned to wine, it was a realization of the glory. The glory that was in Jesus was realized. People realized something that day that... that <laughs> maybe, maybe his mama was a virgin after all. This is, we ain't never seen it like this before. So realize speaks of something becoming a reality. The inward realities of the new birth becoming an outward expression of life. We've been saying that over and over again. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the expectation of glory. Now we see from the Amplified Version, uh, Christ in you, the expectation of realizing the glory. What glory? The glory that Jesus gave to you. The glory that His Father gave to Him. That He's now given to you and me. Now Him in us is the expectation of realizing that glory in our life reality. Oh, I'm getting stirred up about this. All right, now. The message translation. The mystery in a nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. That is the substance of our 
message. So we're talking about then an expectation of realizing the glory of God in your life because Christ is in you. Now the Lord asked us this question some time ago, but man, it's never been more appropriate. Are you expecting more than you can produce on your own? Are you expecting more than you can produce on your own? Now, I asked you last week, what are you expecting? And why? Okay? Hope is something that's, how do I say this? When I say it's fluid, I don't mean that it's wishy-washy. That's not what I mean. Anybody got more hope tonight than you had maybe six weeks ago, six months ago, a year ago? It's like, man... You know, it's like, Pastor, this is looking pretty helpless. This is pretty hopeless. You know, um, in other words, what, what, is, what does hopeless mean? Someone who is hopeless, that doesn't mean they're without expectation. They're without expectation of anything getting any better than it is right now. It, it's, it's, see, the, the, somebody who is, remember the opposite. I, I like, I think the Holy Spirit taught me this a long time ago, and you can have different definitions, but. Faith, hope, and love, most people are instead living fear, regret, and selfishness. Faith, hope, and love, or fear, regret, and selfishness. So the opposite of expectation for something good in the future, you say, well, how, how do you get regret from that? Well, again, I got it from the Holy Spirit. But what is regret? Regret is wishing you could do something different with an opportunity you no longer have. And when, and, and when regret piles up in our lives we tend to project it forward. So we're standing here in the present, but we're looking back at a pattern of failure, disappointment, loss, um, and, 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 and with each you know, cycle, it's gotten worse and worse. And so now we're standing here, we look forward, and we're not only expecting more of the negative things from the past, but because there's a pattern of them getting worse, we project it forward and say... It's hopeless because it's, it's getting worse and, and it's only going to get worse in the future. This is why people take their lives. Truly hopeless. So when I say hope is fluid, you know, we, we can get in the presence of God and start hearing the word of God and, and surrounded by people who love us and, and, and where there was no hope, now there's hope again and, and, and we're starting to you know, expect something better and, and believe that there can be something better moving forward. But we're talking about Jesus living in us and the new level of expectation that, that provides a foundation for, a basis for. Now, let me i got a few more minutes. Can we go a few more minutes? You good? Everybody good? Okay. One of the things that we see in Scripture, it's, it's what, and I believe, again, the Lord gave me this terminology, it's a, it's a feedback loop. Okay? It, it, it's, a, it's, it's the... 
it's the anatomy of a vicious cycle in a person's life, but it can also be the anatomy of, uh, a, a, you know, from glory to glory, from faith to faith, gr- you know, grace for grace, okay? Um, we talked about this extensively when we taught on self-image. And remember now, your self-image, how you see yourself, determines your life reality. But it becomes a feedback loop when we allow our behavior and our feelings to feed back into and form the very thing that's producing our behavior and feelings. So self-image produces behavior and feelings, but when we allow behaviors and feelings to to form what we believe to be true about ourselves, our self-image, it creates this feedback loop. Are you, I want to make sure you, you, okay. So here is another feedback loop. And by the way, how do you break that? You quit believing what your feelings and behavior say about who you are, and you start believing what God says about who you are. Even if your behaviors and feelings, you know, don't line up with the Word. If you'll get your image, self-image lined up with, with the Word, then the behaviors and feelings will change because your life, your behaviors and feelings are a reflection of your self-image. But let's, 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 let's go back to this one. Here's another feedback loop for you. When we allow disappointments to form our expectations... When we allow what we're expecting to be based upon the failures and the disappointments and the regrets, because what you expect in life is so powerful. Faith is the substance of your expectations, right? The devil cannot, God has given every person the measure of faith. The devil cannot take from you what God has given to you. So his, his strategy then against you is to try to neutralize the faith that is the victory that overcomes the world. If we understand as born-again people how to live by faith, there's nothing the devil can do to stop us. And so he can't take that faith away from you. So what does he try to do? Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So he tries to shut you off from ever hearing the Word of God that activates the faith inside of you. And then we see that faith in you is fueled uh, by love. And so the devil tries to get you offended and bitter and, and living a life of, of unforgiveness and not walking in love towards other people because, in, in essence, he just drained the fuel tank of, of your faith. You've got the faith, but there's no gasoline, to, no, no fuel to run it, right? And then he, he tries to attack and neutralize your faith from the hope side. Better not get your hopes up. You know, we, I can't take another disappointment, so I just won't even bother, right? So now we're allowing our disappointments in life to determine our expectations. What was the old hee-haw song? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And at some point, we've got we've to break that cycle. We can't, we can't base our expectations for the future on, on, our, on, our, on our yesterday's failures, on, on our life's disappointments. 
Just because one person hurts you doesn't mean every, every human being on planet Earth is out to hurt you. Well, you know, Pastor, once bitten, twice shy. It's not a Bible verse. It's, it's a, what, a 1970s rock song. It's not a Bible verse. Now, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a three-dimensional being. Am I right about this? New birth realities reside in and spring forth from your born-again spirit. Give me just a few minutes. I really need to say this, okay? New birth realities reside in and spring forth from your born-again spirit. You've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Have been given. Okay, if I've been given those things, then I'll... I must possess them somewhere. Where do I possess them? They're not in a bank. They're not in your uh, sock drawer. They're not buried in your backyard. They've been deposited in your born-again spirit. All kinds of stuff in there. Where do you think the fruit of the spirit come from? It comes from your born-again spirit. That means love is in you. Joy is in you. Peace is in you. Patience is in you. Come on now. It's in you. It's already in you. It's like, oh, God. You know. Listen, would you, would you please do me, you, and God, and everybody else around you a favor? You know, this, this holding, you don't ever want to ask God. Don't ever ask God for patience. You, are you kidding me? He's already given you patience. Patience is in you. Self-control's in you. In your spirit is deposited in you. All the self-control you'll ever need to do whatever God's called you to do and then some's already in you. It's a new birth reality deposited in your spirit. I mean, if you just want to get way on out there, that's where he put his kingdom. His kingdom's in your born-again spirit. If he spared not his only son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him now freely give us all things? I heard Bill Winston say that, Pastor Bill Winston say this one time. And man, it's so true, but he's just making it plain for us, right? He said, every tire you'll ever need for your car is in your born-again spirit. Anybody bought a battery lately? Just go lay your hands on your batteries and just speak life into them. Amen. Charge them up with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Every battery you'll ever need for your car. See, it's a, is did he say all things that pertain to life and godliness? He's already given them to you? It's in your born-again spirit. Okay? Now, Philemon tells us to acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Christ in you. Okay, amen. Every good thing, acknowledge every good thing that's in you that's in Christ Jesus. Watch this now. Watch this now. This is going to help you. Don't answer too quickly. Just, just think about it for a minute, okay? Which one of your three dimensions do you use when acknowledging? Your three dimensional spirit. You are a spirit. You have a soul, your mind, emotions, and will, and you live in a body. Which, now we know that the, that 
all these good things that are in you, where has he deposited them? He's deposited them in have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Okay, I mean, not will be, have been, born again spirit. But now he says, acknowledge every good thing that's in you. What part of you, which of your three dimensions do you acknowledge with? I'll, I'll help you out if you haven't figured it out. It's your mind. The mind is where you acknowledge. And I'm not pointing to the brain. The brain and the mind aren't the same thing. The brain is a physical organ that interfaces with this part of you that's called your soul, that contains this, the, the driving factor of the, of the soul is the mind. But the mind is what you acknowledge. Acknowledging is a function of the mind, which is the driving force of the soul. Now, somebody tell me, which of the new birth realities are you going to experience and express in your life that you never acknowledge? It's not a trick question. None. None. New birth realities must be acknowledged to be experienced and expressed outwardly. Now, not to diminish the importance of everything we've said up to this point, but I have said everything that I've said up to this point to say this one thing right here. Are you ready? Which of your three dimensions do you expect with? Again, it's the mind. Expectation is like acknowledgement. Now, it, it, notice, if you never acknowledge that you've been given the gift of righteousness and have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? If you never acknowledge it, then I don't see how you could ever expect it to manifest in your life. If you, ever, if you never acknowledge that you've been made for... You see what I'm saying? But let's go back to it. Based upon what? Why, why am I expecting to live righteously tomorrow, today, the rest of the day? Why am I expecting to walk in freedom from sin? Why am I expecting to walk in, in healing? It's because by His stripes I was healed. You have already been healed of viruses that you haven't contracted yet. Now watch this. Please watch this. I'm not trying to mince words here, but I think sometimes we think like faith is trying to create. I believe in creative miracles. I believe in these things. But, but faith doesn't create. Faith receives what grace has already given to you. The healing that you need. Let me just, bring, let me just break it down. The cash that you need is in you right now. Inner realities of new birth becoming out expressions of life. So, let me do it with my hands, and then we'll finish, okay? Spirit, you watching me? Spirit, that's where all the good stuff is, right there. That's every good thing that's in you. Bible's full of it, full of all these good things. Have been given, have been blessed, okay? All right, all right here. All the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, love, joy, peace, all that good stuff, right? All right here, okay? Now, where do we acknowledge it? Spirit, soul. 
body. This is what the Lord told me to tell you last week, but I got way ahead of myself. Expectation creates an avenue for new birth realities to become outward expressions of life. You got all this stuff right here in your, in your born-again spirit, and thankfully it's there, but man, we could sure use some of it out here. If it's going to go from here to here, it's got to pass through your soul. I used this word in class this morning. All your spirit's encapsulated, it's surrounded by, and and I don't want to, we'll get to this later, but it's been sealed. It's been sealed with the Holy Spirit. See, that's why you can't sin at that level of your existence. The Bible says, you, not that you won't or don't, it says you can't. See, when something's sealed, it means that the good can't get out and the bad can't get in. But now because it's sealed, it can't be contaminated. It, it, it can't, you know, you can go out here in the flesh and cut a fool, but it ain't going to take the kingdom of God out of you because it's been sealed, it's protected, okay? But, but, but we need it. We, how do we access it? How, do, how does this inward reality become an outward expression of life? Well, I'm going to show you some more of those things, but one of the key ways is expectation, expectation let's go back to it it creates an avenue for new birth realities to become outward expressions of life i've acknowledged that healing's in me i've acknowledged that that glory is in me i've acknowledged god put these things in me and now i'm expecting it is is it really that simple pastor mark (laughs) yeah yeah i don't think anybody in that room knew what jesus was doing that day but jesus wasn't shocked when that water came out of that foot washing pot as the best wine anybody had that day he expected it jesus wasn't like had his fingers crossed behind his back standing at lazarus's tomb saying boy this better work or i'm gonna look silly he had an expectation based upon his ability to raise a man from the dead no based upon his expectation that his father could do it through him. Stand with me tonight, praise God. Please say it loud. Amen. And he told me that a year ago. You, you go from here to here. It was like I couldn't do anything. I was screaming. It's an avenue. More, more 
four-lane highway. dropping it if I had another hour but I don't amen see I've always wanted it to say hold fast your confession of faith doesn't say that it says hold fast your confession of hope see it's words spoken from expectation so you see why I asked you last week, what are you expecting and why? Are you just are, are your expectations based upon what you've experienced in the past? Or are they based upon Christ in you? Mm-mm-mm. I am uh, <clears throat> I don't mind publishing it you know, making it available to everybody. But I'm working on a list. I'm, I'm wanting, and if you want to, we can do this together. We can, we can collaborate. Amen. 31 expectations, one for every day of the month. Amen. Expectations. Amen. Of course, you know one on the list. I'm expecting more today than I can produce on my own. Right? Man, that... Every now and then the Lord gives us something. I mean, not every now and then, all the time He gives us something. But man, it's like, I, you ever seen like a, somebody running down the road and a chain, every now and then it hits and it slings sparks? Man, that one's slinging some sparks. That's some fire, right? I'm expecting more than I can do so on my own. See, notice now what am I doing? I'm lining my thoughts up. Because if we're not careful, we walk into a situation, it's like, well, I do nothing about this. Yes, I can. Not only can I, I expect to. All right, Father, you're good to us. Thank you for life and peace. Holy Spirit, help us cooperate with you in developing the right kind of expectations. Father, you said in your word that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. How we limit you with limited thinking, low expectations. Not anymore, Father. Deliberate, intentional acts of expectation, Father. Words, speaking, confessing what we expect in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm expecting to have a good night's sleep and I'm expecting to have a wonderful day tomorrow. A good night's sleep and a wonderful day tomorrow.